Hi, this is Joel Zwick uh, for On Screen and Beyond, and I'm a director. I've been working in the theater, in TV, and in film for many more years than I'm willing to admit to. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It is that time again. It's time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 301 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week... Here on On Screen and Beyond, we have a director that has just done so many popular TV shows over the years. Laverne and Shirley, Perfect Strangers, Full House. It just goes on and on. He was also the director of My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and we got a lot to talk about with him. It's Joel Zwitch, and he's coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So we got a great show coming your way. Let's get right into Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like Disney's cartoon Rescue Rangers may be headed for a big screen remake. And if it all goes as planned, it will mix CGI characters into the real world, sort of like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit did. So we'll see how that one turns out. And the popular Broadway and theater staple Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is on its way to be remade as an animated movie with executive producer Elton John. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, look for that 70s show Topher Grace to star in a supernatural thriller called Home. It's about a released mental patient who inherits his parents' spooky mansion, which is filled with ghosts. Or is it? And Pixar's The Good Dinosaur, set for November 25, 2015 release, will feature the voice talents of Judy Greer, Neil Patrick Harris, and John Lithgow. And Liam Neeson stars in Run All Night, as an aging hitman is forced to take on his brutal former boss to save his estranged son and his family. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Taking it down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Sequel City, the Lego movie is now moving towards a sequel. And Warner Brothers has set that new one into motion, so we'll see what happens with that. And Pitch Perfect 2 will be hitting theaters on May 15, 2015. And word has it that Anna Kendrick's and Rebel Wilson will return. And finally, the Kevin Hart Ice Cube film Ride Along is moving along for a sequel. That is it for Sequel City coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? I'm going to let you know next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD. May 27th, the Bob Newhart show, The Complete Series, comes to DVD in stores. And on April 15th, Charlie Sheen's 
Anger Management, Volume 3, arrives on Blu-ray and DVD. And on April 8th, you can look for The Big Valley Season 2 as it saddles up to DVD in a five-disc set. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen to Be On, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD. Well, it looks like 47 Ronin will hit stores on April 1st. And you can look for 12 Years a Slave to run to your store on DVD and Blu-ray on March 4th. And The Delivery Man with Vince Vaughn makes its way to DVD and Blu-ray on March 25th. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it is TV Time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV time, well, it looks like Netflix is making a lot of people happy. Fans of House of Cards can be happy because Season 3 has been announced for the show. And by now, most of you know that uh, we had the loss of actor Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, last week. But we also lost last week actor Richard Bull. Now, you can remember him playing Niles Olsen on Little House on the Prairie. So uh, our thoughts go out to both families on that one. And 2003's American Idol runner-up, Clay Aiken, has announced that he is running for Congress in North Carolina. That is it for TV Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, got a great interview with Joel Zwitch. Now, Joel is a director, and along with doing Fat Albert... And also My Big Fat Greek Wedding. He also was the director for many, many episodes of Laverne and Shirley, Perfect Strangers, Full House. And it just goes on and on and on and on, the things that he did. And he's still going strong. He is going to be directing Jamaica Farewell. Now, that's a play that's going to be at the Santa Monica Playhouse in Santa Monica, California. And it goes from February 8th to March 2nd. So if you want to see a great play... And see it directed by Joel Zwitch, who did all those great TV shows and movies. Be sure to check that out. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that one. And he's coming up next. Joel Zwitch, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is a director who has so many shows he has directed, including Laverne and Shirley, Perfect Strangers, and Full House, and movies including Fat Albert and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. On February 8th to March 2nd, he returns to his theatrical roots by directing Jamaica Farewell at the Santa Monica Playhouse in California. It's Joel Zwitch. Joel, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you for having me. Joel, when I saw your credits... I was just blown over. 
Yeah, I, it, I have no explanation for it except that uh, I am, am a lower middle class kid from Brooklyn, New York, and what I brought to the table was a lot of energy and a very blue collar work ethic and just worked it and worked it and worked it. And obviously, I must have had some affinity for this stuff, otherwise I couldn't have survived in the business. And I, knew, I, I learned the politics of it. I learned the social nature of the business and uh, was able to keep working. Um, so I consider myself uh, quite fortunate, uh, quite fortunate. I didn't have goals, by the way. I wasn't a goal-oriented kid. I didn't know growing up that I was going to make films and I was going to do TV. Because really? when you're growing up in Brooklyn, New York, you're not doing shows, you're not doing TV, you're doing nothing. You're, you're going to try to be a doctor like every other Jewish kid in your neighborhood. <laughs> and when that, that doesn't work out for you, I lucked out. I found theater and started out in theater as an artistic director of the Cafe La Mama in New York, an experimental theater group. For some reason, I can't tell you how, but that took me to Laverne and Shirley. And once I started working the Miller Boyette, Gary Marshall circuit in TV, I amassed in 21 years over 550 episodes of TV that I directed, starting out with Laverne and Shirley, Boys and Buddies, Mork and Mindy, Perfect Strangers, Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, The Jamie Foxx Show, and the list goes on. After about 21 years of that, I decided to, to leave TV, at which point my old bosom buddy, Tom Hanks, called me up and said, hey, what you doing? And I said, getting out of TV, Tom. And he said, okay, very much so. I've got a movie I want you to direct. I said, really? He said, yeah, let me send it over to you. And it was my big fat Greek wedding, uh, which turned out to be a very, very substantial um, success for Tom and me and uh, played out the feature film world for quite a while. And though the, Hollywood didn't know what to do with me, and they thought, well, he maybe can direct women. So I wound up being offered Hillary Duff movies, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies, and that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I did the movie Fat Albert, which I had fun because I got to work with Cosby. And um, I did an independent with Kim Basinger and John Corbett called Elvis Has Left the Building, which unfortunately went right to video. Uh, it was a better movie than that. And then... My daughter got a job at the Disney company and one day called me and said, Hey, Dad, what do you think? You want to come direct some episodes for the Disney Channel? For these four years now, I've been directing episodes. But while I was basically kind of floating about, I got involved with one-person shows. And that's where Jamaica Farewell comes in. I was directing all of Hershey Felder's work. Um, his George Gershwin Alone, his Monsieur Chopin, his Beethoven as I knew him, his Maestro, the Leonard Bernstein story. And Hershey and I did all that. So I got very good at one-person shows. And one day I got, I got to see Jamaica Farewell at the Santa Monica Playhouse and I thought that was a remarkable piece of theater, and she was a remarkable talent, and I decided to get involved. And together we've been developing, strengthening, and somehow focusing that show. And uh, it, is a, it is a remarkable one-person show. It truly is. It's a, it's, it's a fabulous story told exceptionally well by a very good actress. So theater is your roots. That's what you really started That's out right. With. That's correct. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I have a master's in Commedia dell'arte, of all things. Hmm. Go figure, huh? <laughs> so for me, Laverne and Shirley, they said, how could you transfer from La Mama to Laverne and Shirley? And I simply said, Laverne and Shirley is Commedia. It's stock characters. 
in stock situations, doing things that the audiences expect them to do, and every once in a while you put a wrinkle in that surprises them. Hmm. So that's how I managed to make that reframe in my brain uh, why Laverne and Shirley worked very well for me. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, you know that's a great show. That, in fact, I think uh, coming out in February, uh, the seventh season is coming out. I, I believe it's in February. Oh yeah, they're finally doing that. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Jamaica Farewell. Sure. Now you said that you got involved with Tom Hanks because you had worked with him in the in the past, and he had got buddies and buddies. He, correct, right? And he got the rights to uh, the play. Him, him, and Rita Wilson. Correct. What happened was this: it was Rita. I think maybe somewhere in her brain, she was hoping that this one woman show, Jamaica Farewell, could be somehow developed very much like the My Big Fat Greek Wedding was into a feature. Mm. So she brought me down to the Santa Monica Playhouse to view this show and to see if I wanted to get involved, and I jumped at it and said, come on, let's do this. And so Rita, uh, as producer and me as director, we managed to get Gary Marshall, big surprise, at the Falcon Theater to give it a shot. And it ran for very successfully, I think for five weeks at the Falcon Theater, and um, we're still trying to, um, I think Rita lost interest. She got busy with her acting. She got busy with her singing career, uh, all, both of which she does exceptionally well. And uh, we're now trying to re-energize interest in the possibility of developing a movie around my big uh, around Jamaica Farewell. Ah, okay, all right. Is it, so is that how things work a lot of the times? If it's a play, that they'll try to gain interest by you know putting the show back on and things like that. In this particular case, possibly, but the but the fact is, it's such a compelling piece of theater, and Deborah is so good. I mean, she is a tremendous actress. Uh, if you don't know her story, she has this Jamaican accent that she was never able to lose. And she was in the running for all the femme fatales, the Bond girls, all those kinds of roles. Mm-hmm. She'd get to the end and they'd say, oh, wow, can you lose your accent? And she couldn't. Yeah. She worked so hard at, at trying to lose the accent, it wouldn't go. So finally she decided, well, then if I can't lose the accent, I'm going to create a piece of myself where I can be and tell my story. And it's her personal story, and it's true, 100% of it's true, and it's a remarkable journey. I don't want to give away the journey, because if people want to go, they're going to be blown away by what happened and how this, the, the guts of this girl was, was, was unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah, now, she wrote and produced this, too. Or, uh, she wrote it, rather. She produces, she, she's, she's, she's very, very proactive in terms of uh, these things. She cares a lot, and it means a lot to her. And it's her baby, and she wants to uh, get as much out of this baby as she possibly can. Now, is it difficult for her, do you think, uh, to being the one who wrote it, and she performs it, and most likely when she per- first performed it, she directed it, I presume. Uh, we had they, She had a director. Oh, she did. But I don't know what kind of strength that director had, and I don't even remember the name of the – I think it was a young lady. Ah. But I don't remember who so it was. But now, uh, now you come in, and mm-hmm. I mean you're – a very famous <laughs> director. You've done a lot of things. Is is it difficult? You think for her to you know let go and let you tell her how to do this? 
Well, for the most part, there wasn't much telling her. I needed to restructure the piece. I needed to uh, set it in a different milieu. I had to start it in a different place. I had to do some structural things to the storytelling. But as far as her performance and her ability to tell this tale, she was 95% the same. Mm -hmm. I I staged it differently. I created worlds for her to inhabit. Uh, That she took to quite well. And she was very thrilled about the fact that uh, it was going to get a new life. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure when they told her you were going to be taking over the directing part. Yeah, she was pretty happy. Yeah, I would I would think so. <laughs> yeah, I think she was pretty happy. So, with performing this, you're going from February 8th to March 2nd. Um, right. Do you anticipate that uh, – is it a large theater? I haven't been to Santa Monica. No, it's a small theater. I think it's a 99-seat theater, adorable little theater, the Santa Monica Playhouse, and a wonderful place to see shows. And uh, so it's only 99 seats, and she's had great success every time she's done this show. And she's done this show in Jamaica. She's done this show in England. She's done this show in Chicago. She's been around with this show quite a bit, and it's my production now that she takes wherever she goes. Wow, that's great. Now, do you go around with her to, to the other No, 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 no. I don't have a chance. <laughs> However, I w- if it's a good, thing, a good trip, I take it. I went to Jamaica <laughs> with her because I thought that would be fun, and it was fun. So I went to Jamaica for it. Uh, and if, if it plays in New York, I'll be there for her in New York, and I'll be there for her in Chicago. The major cities, mm-hmm. I'll be there for her. But if she's just traveling to um, who knows where, Manitoba, Canada or something, mm-hmm. she's going to have to do that by herself. Yeah, yeah. Now, like we said earlier, this theatrical plays are your roots. Um, mm-hmm. is, does it give you a different feeling to be directing a play as opposed to many of the TV shows and movies that you've done? Wow. Um, interesting enough, because um, maybe maybe it's all the same for me, uh, because it's all about story, it's all about writing, and it's all about acting. The director's job is to service those needs, to put them into some kind of a package that makes sense, that gets the writing to come alive, the performing to come alive, uh, and that's what it is. I'm what's known as an actor's director. Uh, I work very well with actors. I know who they are. I know what they want. I've been through it. I've been working with some of the best. When you work with Robin Williams, Tom Hanks, Penny Marshall, mm-hmm. Cindy Williams, you can go down the list. You're working with some of the best that you got. Oh, yeah. So I kind of know how to communicate to actors, and I know how to... T- that, Tom said this about me. Hank said, he wanted me for Greek Wedding, he says, because he does two things. He will get the performances, he will shoot the movie, and he will shoot the jokes. And that's what I can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not a visualization guy. You're not going to see phenomenal visual acrobatics for me. I'm going to tell the stories honestly and as truly as I can. So in that sense, the theater and the movies, it's all been the same for me. Yeah. My big, fat, great wedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard to get out. Um, how did you get involved with that? I, I presume through Tom, correct? Through Tom. Basically, I had gotten out of TV. I was not liking the trajectory of my TV career. I'd been through with the Miller Boyette years and through Step by Step, and then I was doing piecemeal shows, and I didn't like that. I liked being on a show and making a family of it and doing it. So I was getting out of TV, and I had a script that I liked, and I sent it to Tom saying, Tom, I like this script. I knew he had play tone, and maybe he'd be interested. But he called me up saying, hey, what's this all about, Joel? I said, well, I'm getting out of TV. Maybe the indie business is good for me. I think they need comic directors in the indie movies. He said, what a good piece of timing. I have just a script, and I want you to direct it. And it was simple as that. 
and he sent me the script, and I met with Nia, and the deal was that Nia was going to write it, and Nia was going to star in it, and I was going to direct it, and those were the three givens, and Tom demanded that, and that's what we did. Wow. Now, a, show, a movie like that, that, I mean, it's, it was almost like it was word of mouth. It, it was totally going up and up and up and up on the charts, and, and, and people kept hearing about it, and more and more people, and then it became this huge hit. I mean, it, I it, it, was, such a, it was such a good movie, too. It was a good movie. It really was a good movie. Acting in that movie is insanely good, uh, and that's what I'm proudest of, the fact was that acting ensemble was terrific. Oh, yeah. Including me, of course, but, I mean, they were really good. So were you in it? No, 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 I didn't get into that one. I just stayed out in front and directed. Oh, I thought you meant that, because I know some directors do that. They'll do little cameos, and I was wondering if you were in there. No, no, I did not in that one. I didn't do that. I've done little cameos in other things, but no, not in my Big Fat Creek wedding. That was a very quick shoot, 26 days, $5 million. There was no fooling around. We were really moving. We were shooting four, four and a half pages a day, and that's a very, very huge amount for a um, for a feature film. Now, do you prefer to work that way, or would you prefer to work slow? And I, I presume I'm a speed guy. Really? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. TV has developed me. I have an eye. I have an ear that I've just been developing over over 600 episodes of television, and I, I I'm antsy. I want to move with this thing. I think actors energized when they kept pushing too many breaks and too long to do this and you lose the the freshness especially in comedy drama may be a different thing another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you hinted earlier at the fact that you like directing and staying on a TV show? Because, I mean, obviously with some shows you were doing 90 uh, shows and 99 shows and you yep. know, long periods of time. Why is it that now we see, you know, it's one director here this week, the next week it's another one, and, and I would think that would be more difficult. Well, it's difficult for the directors. However, as we got evolved in the industry and all the producers could see the monitors and see exactly what was being shot and they could input on, could you make that shot tighter? Can you give me a two-shot there? All of a sudden, the power of the producer-creator grew where the power of the director descended. So that basically, they basically didn't want one director doing all their shows. They wanted to be able to do, give you three here, I'll give you two there, I'll give you three here, and they could maintain better control over their product because they weren't using a, one director whose voice would be instrumental, let's say for Jimmy Burroughs on Taxi or any of the shows Jimmy does, Cheers. Uh, that was a very instrumental voice as he was, they were developing those shows. I had the same luck on my developed Laverne and Shirley, and Bosom and Buddies was all my series. Wow. So... Um, but that's what those producers in those days wanted. They wanted strong directors who did their series, who basically took responsibility for certain things uh, that they didn't want to take responsibility for. They, they believed in that process. But nowadays, I think most of the writing producers would like to have all as much control as they possibly can get. Hmm, 
That's I, I mean, just as a person who's sitting back watching a show, I would think that if the same director was doing it, they would get a feel for the people. They would know what they, you know, and it would all just flow a lot better. But it certainly did, uh, and it certainly does. Uh, but uh, I guess the, the some of these execs wanted to be their voice as the primary voice, mm, yeah. and they will not want particularly strong directors who take over the entire series. And, of course, I don't agree with that, but uh, right. it's not my choice. Right, that's the way it goes now. That's the way it goes. Yeah. But, Jordan, now you're still uh, directing. You are. You were talking to me before we got on the air that uh, you're doing some Disney. I'm doing right now Girl Meets World, which is a, a Disney show that is based on the show Boy Meets World. Oh, we now have uh, Corey and Topanga, who were the kids on that show, are the parents of a young girl who basically is the Girl Meets World. And we've been doing those shows together and now moving on to another show called I Didn't Do It, which is about to um, air soon. I think, it, I think it premiered this week, as a matter of fact. And that's another sitcom for the Disney Channel, which has become a repository for some of us old guys who did live-action sitcom, uh, multiple camera, four camera, live, go get it. Um, we're, a lot of us are working here now because... Uh, the, the, the TV industry turned immediately after the Cosby show, I think it was, to single-camera format, where it was shot like a little film. The Office, uh, 30, all those shows. However, the most popular shows, Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory, are still done multi-camera in front of audiences. So I'm not sure that they, um, they got better um, awards on the single-camera shows, um, but they did not... Um, get the audiences that the uh, multi-cameras got. Right, yeah. yeah. And some of our younger listeners might uh, recognize some of your work on um, uh, Shake It Up. Shake It Up. I, I spent uh, three seasons on Shake It Up, and that just finished, and I moved on to Girl Meets World. Um, other than that, the, the, the 30-somethings grew up on me with Full House and Family Matters and Step by Step and Perfect Strangers, and then the real old people grew up with me on Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy and Bosom Buddies, and then I had my three years on Webster, yes. which, which was the period that people designate, I don't care, as the death of sitcom. <laughs> Not because of Webster particularly, but essentially sitcom was starting to disappear, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until Cosby came back that he, re he reinvigorated the, the medium. Yeah. Do you remember your first TV show that you uh, worked on? Yes, I do. It was a show called Busting Loose, 1978, starred Adam Arkin. It was kind of a premier, uh, a predecessor to a Friends kind of thing. There were, there were five guys uh, two, with girls, with guys there, and they basically hung around and did their thing. And uh, uh, it lasted all of two seasons. But one of my buddies, Greg Antonacci, who was with me in my days at La Mama, he was a writer and a, uh, an actor, one of the co-stars on that. I came out to visit him. He got into his head that I should direct an episode of Busting Loose. And having never directed TV before, never mind directed it, I hadn't even viewed it. I was a theater guy. Man, you didn't watch TV. Up to that point, I'd even seen family. All in the family I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen Mary Tyler Moore, except occasionally. And I thought... Well, okay, I should try this. I mean, if you, you get nothing gained if you don't attempt to do things. So I um, crammed in as much as I cared about cameras, you know, befriended people who were critical to that job, and uh, survived my first episode, which was Busting Loose. Hmm. Now, I noticed here on your credits that you also worked on uh, Making It. Which, yes, I did. Which, it was a pilot of making it. Which was, That's also starred Greg Antonacci with David Norton. David Norton, so, yes. We, he's been a guest, too, on the show. Ah, I love David. David's an, oh, I miss David. I haven't seen him in many, many years. 
but we did making it together, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's on uh, Granite Flats now. Yes, he is. Good yeah. for him. I'm very happy about yeah. that. And now, one of your first shows that you worked on was Mork and Mindy. Now, yeah. How was it? I I can't imagine being on the set with Robin Williams. He, <laughs> he must be just all over the place. Is, no, is not that quite. The, the funny thing about him is he's one of the most polite people you will ever meet. I'm sure. Until he kicks in. Yeah. He virtually seems to have no personality until he gets into that drive he's got, that manic place where he goes. Uh, and I basically, Robin was a very interesting case. I finally went to him one day. I said, Robin, this is it. We're on film. You can ad-lib anything you want, but if you're not on your mark, I'm not going to have it on camera. So if you've got something you really want to try, you better hit your mark. Hmm. And from that day on, that man never missed a mark. He was not going to take a chance on losing some brilliant piece of ad-lib craziness simply because he wandered off his mark. Wow. <laughs> and he picked that one up immediately. I was shocked at how well he picked that up. And that was the way it worked out was, I think, Howard Storm did the first two Mork and Mindy's. I did two Laverne and Shirley's. Then I did two Mork and Mindy's. Howard Storm did two Laverne and Shirley's. Then we got together, and Howard and I chose. And Howard decided he'd stay with Mork and Mindy, and I decided I'd stay with Laverne and Shirley because the girls really uh, liked my energy. Hmm. Jeez. And, and so we, we made the split there, and Howard had four great seasons with Mork and Mindy. I did two Laverne and Shirley's and then moved right on to Bosom Buddies and yeah. a number of other things. Yeah. Now, Bosom Buddies, could you tell that – and also with the Mork and Mindy, could you tell that um, the uh, on Mork and Mindy – I could they're... tell more that the possibility was if somebody could harness Robin Williams, uh, he had a great possibility to be a star. Right. Th that we kind of knew, but could he be harnessed? As it turned out, he could be harnessed. Uh, with Tom, you, you didn't know what he was going to be, but the fact was he had such strong instincts and he had such a great sense of self at age 21 for a man who actually had virtually no career, career before that. I think he did three seasons at the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival carrying spears, for all I know, and then all of a sudden he gets bosom buddies. But this guy has so much craft and so much uh, feeling about who he is he just blew our minds with that. We didn't know where that was going to go, but we were just amazed that this kid with no experience could control a set, could control anything. He, had, he was quirky, he was interesting, he was disciplined, and really bright. Yeah, such an amazing actor. Jeez. Truly remarkable. Yeah. Truly remarkable, you know. You know, and I still look, we still count each other as friends. We go back a long way. Yeah. Uh -huh. Now... Of all the TV shows you've done, and this is a, always a tough question, you know, to answer, I'm sure. But is there one that was your favorite personally in your heart? In my heart, if I was to say my favorite, it probably the ones with kids are the best family shows. I mean, Full House, we were family, mm -hmm. but in terms of just fun on a set, trying to make things happen, I'd have to say it was Perfect Strangers. Those guys, Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot, were phenomenally gifted, and they were very lucky to find each other. They, they could do stuff that nobody else could do. They could sing, they could dance, they could get, break into stuff that was remarkable, and the I chemistry. have all working with them. Yeah, the chemistry was just there. Chemistry was insanely good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned the kids. Uh, you do one of the things that a lot of directors are told not to do, and it's <laughs> I work with kids. kids and animals. And animals, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, animals are pretty good because they'll basically go where the trainer tells them to go. Right. You know, so they're not that problematical. Uh, kids need um, coaching. They need work. But then again, 
some of those kids on Full House were remarkable. Jody Sweeten, at four and a half years old, was brilliant. She could sit at a table for the opening table reading, and she could read with the cast. She was that reading at four and a half years old. Candace Cameron may have been the best actor on the show. She was that good. Uh, and yes, Mary Kate Nashley were babies. What to expect? Right. We, we, they were parroting us for years, and then they start to uh, do their own stuff. I don't know that they were ever gifted actors, although I think it's Mary-Kate who cared more and became a bit of an actress, where Ashley was more business-oriented and wound up taking over the entire, uh, you know, their, 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 their domain, the whole um, clothing lines and all that. And right. she's very hands-on with that. And Mary-Kate acts every once in a while. But Candace Cameron, Jody Sweeten, they were unbelievably good kid actors. You had no, and, and Kimmy Gibbler, Andrea also, yes. Barbara, she was also remarkable. Yep. So uh, they cast well. Yeah. Well, Joel, um, I want to finish up with two final questions. Okay. Taking us away from your your directing and, and your TVs and movies and everything else and plays, when you relax, do you watch TV? And if so, what are your favorite TV shows now and of, it, of the past? And also, what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, I don't get to see too much. I've been seeing a, a, a whole load of the current movie crop out there, and uh, my feeling is that the best movie of the year, it may probably will not win, is Her. I that movie that. blew my mind. Really? Blew my mind. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't gravity. It wasn't people floating in space. It mm. wasn't people being uh, taken off of boats in a great movie that Tom did. But the fact is that if I'm supposed to pick the best story I saw, it would be her. It was unbelievable for me. Hmm. For me. Yeah. And uh, as far as TV goes, Modern Family, I think that's a great show. Yeah. I love how they deal with that show a lot. And um, other than that, uh, I don't really watch hours on TV. I'm more of a, I'm, I'm into news, and I'm into sports. And if I'm looking to relax, I'll relax with those things. To do too much TV, it feels like a busman's holiday to me. I, I live my life in TV. <laughs> That's right. And I'm not looking to see too much because I don't want to find myself being repetitive, ripping off things I see, even though you're not doing it uh, intentionally. Right. Things start to sit in your brain. And all of a sudden, you're starting to actually wind up doing things that you're seeing, and I don't like that for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, Joel, I want to let anybody who is in the Santa Monica area go to the Santa Monica Playhouse in California on February 8th through February 8th to March 2nd and uh, see a great play. Unbelievable. Well. It's really remarkable. And Joel, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You got it. You take it easy, Brian. Joel Zwitch, I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, I just have enjoyed so many of his shows, you know, Full House and Perfect Strangers. That was a great show. And Laverne and Shirley, of course, you know, what can you say about that? And My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And uh, if you get a chance and you're going to be in Santa Monica, go to the Santa Monica Playhouse in Santa Monica, California, between February 8th and March 2nd and catch a great play He's going to be directing it, and uh, it's just uh, going to be a lot of fun. So be sure to check that out. And he's also going to be doing Girl Meets World that uh, brings back the cast of Boy Meets World. So that that should be fun, too. So let's see. What do we got going here? Uh, let's see. We got some great guests coming your way next week. We have... Uh, let's see. Do I know who I'm having next week? <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't. I'm not sure who we're gonna have lined up for next week. But it's great guests. I know it is because we have we have a bunch of them. 
And uh, we're also taking your suggestions. Send it to me at feedback at onscreenreon.com, and I will see what I can do about getting that person on. And uh, like us on Facebook, and if you're on iTunes, be sure to leave a review for us. Help uh, spread the word about On Screen and Beyond, and tell your friends to go to onscreenandbeyond.com, and they can listen to over 300 different episodes with over 300 guests of uh, just shows that you love and the musicians that you love. Peter Tork of the Monkeys, come on, he was on here, and uh, it, it just goes on and on. Meatloaf was here for music, and Tommy James and, uh, it, it, you know, Gary Sinise, and it, just so many. So check it out. Have them go there, and uh, they're still there. So have fun listening to all the episodes. You know, download them all. And let's see, that's about it. Next week, I hope you'll join us when we once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>